What's up, military millionaires? Today's episode is with Rich Carey of richonmoney.com. And Rich and I have known each other for about two or three years now. He is an officer in the Air Force who's getting ready to retire and has just set himself up amazingly for the future. I mean, he's done it all. And this episode is all about how you can become a military millionaire. So definitely stay tuned. And as always, show notes are found at frommilitarytomillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. What's up, guys? Today, I wanted to stop and sponsor my own podcast by myself, which is a little cheesy, to tell you about the course that I'm launching called From Zero to One, Real Estate Investing for Beginners. Now, this is not a course to help you get rich fast. This is not a course to promise you to make a bajillion dollars, but this is the course that will help you get from zero rental properties to one rental property. It is designed to get you through your first purchase. Everything you need to know to get you through that step with support from myself, obviously via email and whatever, so that we can talk and I can help answer some of those questions for you. And it is extremely affordable right now because I'm launching it for only 97 bucks, which given the amount of content in there and the testimonials I got from the people who tested it beforehand, I am super on the low end for that price, but I'm going to probably have to bump it up in a little while but for now to test the waters and see exactly how many people I'm able to help with this I want it to be extremely affordable because I want to help service members and veterans get their feet in the water so if you are interested in learning about rental properties and you just want to learn how to get your first one and then there are some bonus episodes in there to help you advance past that but if you really just want to know everything you need to know to buy your first property without screwing yourself over this is the course for you. Go ahead and check it out. The link will be down below in the show notes and back to your episode. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave here with the Military Millionaire Podcast, and I'm here with Rich Carey of richonmoney.com. And uh, this is actually a lot of fun for me. So Rich and I have known each other. Honestly, I probably met Rich like right around the same quarter that I decided I was going to start a blog. And he had just been on the Bigger Pockets podcast, and that was before I had kind of done anything crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. And so it's cool to me that we're getting to do this. We've talked a few times. I've had a few videos with them, but we've never had like a legitimate podcast. But Rich, if you don't know, well, we'll dig into it. But a uh, very successful real estate investing story. He and I have almost completely opposite techniques, but he's been incredibly, incredibly successful through real estate and everything else. And I'm excited for this. So uh, Rich, tell us a little bit about yourself. Dave, thanks for having me on today. Um... It's exciting for me too. I, I, I've been looking forward to this podcast because it gives me a, a chance to talk to a, a military audience that's interested in, in real estate. And as you know, I'm still active duty. So uh, it'll be good to, to chat with everybody and, 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 uh, and kind of have, kind of get my story out there and, and see if that could help anybody in their journey. So my name's Rich. Um, I am in the Air Force. Uh, I have an interesting job. Uh, it's kind of wrapping up now, and I didn't used to talk about it on podcasts, but since I'm about to retire, I can talk about it a little. Uh, I was actually a, a special agent with the, with the uh, Air Force, kind of like NCIS and the Navy. Um, and 
during that time, the time that I've been in the military, the last 19 years, uh, I've been doing real estate the whole time in one way or another. Probably my story begins in 2003 when I bought a townhouse in um, Alexandria, Virginia for $280,000. I thought it was the worst mistake of my life. Uh, I thought I was horribly overpaying and I'd never recover from it. Uh, about a year and a half later, it was worth 450. So I was like, wow, okay, this real estate thing is crazy. Now, in some ways, that, even, that wasn't necessarily a good thing because it kind of gave me, uh, it kind of gave me this idea of like, I'm really good at investing. Look at what I did. Uh, but what I learned later was appreciation is a trick, you know, tricky thing uh, because I sold that house 13 years later for 400,000, right? So uh, really I ended up making about three to 4% a year, even though I made 40% in a year and a half. And I, and, and I think that was a great lesson for me. Yeah. Um, fast forward a little bit, uh, when I was in Japan and I've spent most of my career overseas, when I was in Japan, uh, I flipped houses with a partner who was actually uh, living next door to where I was in Alexandria, Virginia. And we flipped about eight houses together. Um, me being more the finance side, him being the boots on the ground. And that worked out well for me. Uh, as we'll talk about some more later, I, I, I kind of have a no debt philosophy. Uh, and I, at, at, earlier in my career, I applied that to real estate. I paid off that mortgage on that townhouse in seven years. Um, fast forward a little more, 2013, I moved to Montgomery, Alabama for Air Command and Staff College. Uh, had known plans to invest there, but met somebody, another military member, who was apparently killing it in real estate. And I, and I, I talked to him, I said, what are you doing? How are you buying these properties? How are you managing them? You know? And he gave me all the numbers. And I compared that to what I was doing in Alexandria, Virginia. And I realized that he was doing way better. So I actually ended up buying six houses uh, while here in Montgomery, Alabama left, spent five years overseas, bought 14 more. They were all paid off. And I think that's kind of an unusual accomplishment for someone in the military. Uh, but that's my story in a nutshell. Yeah, that's awesome. And so now here you are with, you know, 20, 20 houses that are completely paid off and all cash flowing very well. And you're about to have a military pension. And, you know, um, that's, that's exciting. So I'm glad you finally mentioned what your job was. I, uh, <laughs> you know what? I, the first time I ever met you, I just remember thinking like, man, there's nothing gets by this guy. He's ex like, there's something, he is way like super observant. And then when I, I realized what you did, I was like, ah, it all makes sense. <laughs> um, so it's just funny. Um, anyway, so what would you say, um, man, I mean, that's like a lot of, you know, that's a, really cool. You've bought a lot of houses. You've had a lot yeah. of success. And then, you know, the, the Alexander, Virginia property um, with a little bit of appreciation, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough appreciation that like you made this like half a million dollar, uh, you know, windfall. So what do you think has really helped you be able to scale as far as being able to buy 20 houses in just a few years and essentially pay cash for all of them? What right. Um, I think the answer to that, you know, it, it's not an answer that gets most people excited, right? Cause people are like, well, wait, you know, how can I go from, six to 20 houses, you know, in two years, all paid for in cash. 
And that journey started much earlier. Uh, it started with the way I lived, the way that I saved, the way that I invested, and how frugal I was from day one in the military. Um, you know, I always maxed out my Roth IRAs, my, mine and my wife's, since 1999. Uh, I was a little late to, to getting to maxing out TSP, but I've been maxing out TSP for a long time. Uh, you know, I'm an index fund investor. I just put like all these money in index funds and I just let it ride. That's made me a lot of money over the last uh, 20 years. Um, I flipped houses and the flips went well. Uh, it makes me nervous. In fact, when I got to number seven and number eight, I think I'd lost money twice out of eight times. I was kind of like, this is very nerve wracking. I don't know if I can keep doing this. Um, so I stopped. But I think that the answer to your question is, I, I saved a lot of that money. I invested a lot of that money. I put it aside. And I also have a lot of money put away, you know, on top of the real estate, put away in, uh, in index funds, you know, that are in retirement accounts. So I guess you could say I, I invested in real estate from a financial position of strength, which isn't always the answer you hear from most people interviewed on podcasts. Usually it's more of a, how did you go from having no money, right, to having a bunch of property? And that's not a strategy that I get that excited about. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, uh, one of the answers, one of my answers to your question. I think the next is, and I, I sort of started off my story with this, I learned, a, I learned something important about appreciation. Uh, and I think it also applies, it certainly applies to like, you lived in Hawaii for a while, right? It applies to being in Hawaii, being in San Diego, being in DC. Um, a lot of military members buy houses in these locations. And I think that can really hurt you. Uh, I almost think that never makes sense financially for a military member to buy a house in a high cost of living location. Because the appreciation game is so tricky, it could happen all at once like it did with me. It could take a dip for the two or three years that you're there, or it could stay flat, which can still hurt you a lot with a very expensive house. So maybe with lessons like that as well, um, that's kept me out of trouble, I guess you could say. I like that. I like the financial strength. I know I was, I, I, I have been one of the, like, how do I buy houses with zero down? Um, you know, and, and part of that, I think, uh, you know, I started investing as a, as a sergeant. So my, uh, you know, my, my income, I don't know that at that point, given my private prior spending habits where I was not super frugal, it yeah. was either how do I buy money, buy real estate without much out of pocket, or how do I not buy real estate for the next few years? Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, you know, I, I'd say I'm glad that I started, but I have run into some issues where, you know, right now, if I had all my real estate paid off, uh, for one, it'd be cash flowing even better. But, you know, I've got this problem that property that's not going so hot, and I'd be able to just pull out a line from one of them and, and call it a day. Like it wouldn't be stressful at all. So even right. though I have cash reserves now, I'm like, Oh man, do I want to tap into my cash reserves or do I want to sell a property where if I was much less leveraged, I'd be able to say, Hmm, do I want to tap my reserves or do I want to just use money from, you know, this or whatever? It wouldn't be a deal. Um, so I, I think your method, although maybe not my, my go-to off the bat, is definitely the smarter method in the long run in a lot of ways uh, as far as, especially like risk goes. Um, and, and I think that's cool. I think 
you know, you and I both have blogs where we talk about finances and, and the TSP and man, I made a whole bunch of mistakes with that early on. Um, and I finally figured out some of it, but I think that you're right. A lot of service members don't understand the expenses piece, right? Like they just, mm -hmm. they, they expense creep, they spend more as they get paid more and they, you know, they, it's almost as though they think, Hmm, I might get deployed. I might die. So I might as well live like a King until then. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it's sad because you know, as well as I do, how well people could set themselves up for success if they were smarter with their finances. So I, I'd be curious to ask, you know, you kind of mentioned your, your IRA, your, your Roth IRAs, but what do you, what would be some, some financial advice that you would give to people joining the military? What do you think are some smart moves, uh, that, like you should be making regardless yeah. of real estate? <clears throat> well, I, you know, I feel like it's a very good question on a, on a real estate podcast for military uh, because what I see in a lot of other real estate groups and certain, even in military real estate groups, it's kind of like, how can I max out my VA loan? How can I, you know, get money? I don't have any money. How can I buy a bunch of real estate? And there's sort of this focus on like, I'll do anything to buy real estate, even though I don't have money. Um, real estate is an awesome way to build wealth. It's awesome. But in my personal opinion, I believe that there are things that you should do first before you invest in real estate. Uh, and, and that's just the way that I approached it. Of course, everyone you know, can, can decide what method is best for them. But for me, I kind of feel like there's sort of a checklist in my mind. It's like, am I contributing to IRAs for both myself and my wife? And I would say spouse, yourself and your spouse if you have one. You can both do that. You can, you can do that for your spouse even if she's, he or she's not working on top of having a TSP. And for me, the tax advantages of having index funds that are probably going to grow at set, you know, 7 to 10% over the long term, tax advantaged, so probably ends up, ends up being more, that's very important. To me, it's more important than investing in real estate. So I want to max all those things out, TSP and IRAs. And if you're not maxing them out, at least contributing a large amount to them. First, I want to make sure that all my consumer debt's paid off. In my case, I got rid of student loans. I had 32000 but I, I paid it off in like a year and a half. Uh, not easy to do, but, but me and my wife buckled down and did it. Um, then uh, I want to ha have some money in, a, you know, in an account outside of uh, retirement. So just like a brokerage account, a mutual fund account. want to start putting money away there. My opinion is... I want to save up 20%. And this is what I tell, you know, a new military person, save up the 20% down that you need to buy an investment property. Now you don't have to buy, it's not insurmountable because you don't, because you don't buy in Honolulu and you don't buy in San Diego. Uh, you know, you buy a house that's a hundred thousand or less more than likely. Um, get the down payment for that. And then you've got 20% equity. You buy that house you make sure the numbers work well, you know, you, you find a good deal on it. You don't use turnkey. That's another, uh, another advice that I like to give out. And then once that property is going well and you know that it's working and you know that you made the right buy and that, you know, you got the right tenants in, you start saving up and you do that again. Uh, that would be my advice. That, that's the big picture advice. Uh, I'm not against using loans by any means. I, I think I'm against, I'm certainly against borrowing against your TSP or your IRA because I, I consider that money sacred. And, and 
And I, it's safer than investing in real estate, in my opinion. And I wouldn't want to go bankrupt, bankrupt on my property. And at the expense of that, you've also, you know, ruined your, 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 your retirement savings in all forms. So that's my advice in a nutshell. Well, and the nice thing is, so like I tell people all the time, if I could go back, right, to, so I don't know if I've ever talked to you too much about my first few years in the military, but I did, mm -hmm. you know, I, I thought I was being smart. I put eight, 10% of my paycheck into the TSP, which is better than a lot of my peers, probably 10 on average. Um, but I didn't know that your money sits in the G fund. So from 2008 to 2015, <clears throat> while the market had incredible gains, I earned one or 2%. Um, so I'm out, you know, a huge amount just by not realizing that I could have put it into the CNS funds like I have now yeah. or, or whatever. So I'm glad that they finally go into life cycle funds from the get go now. So that'll, that'll help a lot of people out. Um, but you know, I, I put money in there. I, I did it okay, but I didn't do it like I should have. Um, but I tell people now when I look back, like, man, if you can max out your TSB, even if, even if you only max it out for like between 18 and 22, like your first enlistment in theory, just maxing it out for that four years and letting it grow on average, like that's enough for you to be able to almost retire off just that when you hit 60 it off is. that growth. Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. if you continue doing that, you're going to be way better off, but it also counts as cash reserves. So, you know, if I had known that, like if I had four times what I do right now in my TSP and something went wrong, as much as I wouldn't want to pull it, I'd still have a ton in there, you know? So it's, there's a lot of added benefits to that and especially the tax advantages. Like I, I mean, I was deployed and I didn't maximize my, my Roth and I can yeah. triple tax, you know, exempt. That's pretty crazy to think of what I missed out on by not doing that. I think you, you brought up a good point that I'd, I'd want to emphasize. And that is, you know, I think for me, you know, cause I was, I've been, I've been in the military for a while. I don't even think TSP was available until, maybe it was like 2003. That's, that's when it started for the military. I didn't max it right. Right at the beginning as frugal and as careful as I thought I was at the time, the amount of money that I'd have today, if I'd maxed it the first few years would be substantially larger. I think it probably would be about double because the, when you max it at the beginning, right, then the magic of compound compound interest takes over you're right, though. What you contribute at 18 or 20 or 22, even though it seems like it'd be a huge sacrifice, once you're, once you're where I am in your career and you're looking at your bank account, and you're like, geez, this is awesome. You know, I'm so glad I did that. It's hard to catch up, too. You, you can't start the 15-year point and say, now I'm going to max it out because you've missed out on all that, that, um, you know, that compounding that happens. So early is so important figure out a way to make it happen. In my opinion, you know, I didn't get, I didn't start doing big moves in, in, in real estate until the 14 year point of my career. And then it all happened very fast. And that is because I had the money and I, and I, you know, I had the cash to do some, some stuff and I had the money and I had the experience and uh, there was also a lot less stress involved. So again, a, a largely different approach than, than what most people end up taking in these real estate circles, but that's how I did things. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash military millionaire. Now, why Audible? 
Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. I listen to Audible every single day on my commute to and from work. Now, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash militarymillionaire. The nice thing is that there will be absolutely nothing you have to worry about financially in retirement because you've got two completely different markets that you've got pretty solid footholds in that you know for one you have a pension but for two like i can do the four percent withdrawal over here and i'll be good or i can just live on my cash flow i'll be good <clears throat> and that's you know a lot of people <clears throat> a lot of people get out of the military and they might have a decent amount of real estate but if that market crumbles you know i mean they'll probably still be all right right there's some buffers there but yeah but it's nice to know that you're set up on both ends so that you don't have to stress out about taking care of your family. Right. Uh, another thing I like to, to talk about with military members, you know, if they're sort of asking what, what, what was different or what I think was important about the way I invested. And, and, and I know I've heard you say this. It's, you know, you got to think about the cash flow. I invest for cash flow and I don't play this kind of, I don't want to say I play a game, but I mean, I think a lot of people, spend a lot of time worrying about which city should I invest in, you know, so I have a large amount of appreciation so I can use the Burr method, you know, and, uh, yeah, and keep getting real estate faster and faster. I don't worry about that. I think it's more important to know whatever city you're investing in so well that even if the city has average or below average appreciation and job growth and, you know, has higher unemployment, has crime issues. But if you know that city well enough, you'll buy real estate in a location where it's going to be fine and it's going to cash flow. And if it never appreciates, you'll still be doing very well. I think a lot of people chase the cities where they think appreciation is going to happen. Of course, that ends up being long distance investing. They don't know anybody on the ground there. And they get themselves in a lot of trouble, you know, with out of control expenses and, and out of control. Um, well, I mean, the situation's out of their control. They don't have people on the ground that can, that can go in and look at their properties and tell them what's actually going on. And I see that happening a lot, not just for military members, but just with investors in general. Uh, I'd say don't chase appreciation and figure out a way to invest in a location where you or somebody you trust has boots on the ground. Those would be some of my two biggest lessons. Yeah, I agree with those. So I, I, I tried to buy in Hawaii, actually. Um, I had a couple properties that I'd found that would have been good deals. Uh, they would have even been able to cash flow. But because of how hot that market was, you know, here I am offering this amount with my VA loan and someone's coming in cash, 50000 more. Mm -hmm. um, and so for it to have worked in Hawaii, I would have had to live in Eva Beach, which you know where that is. But that would have been without traffic, a 45-minute commute. <clears throat> and with traffic, I mean, I would have been leaving the house at five every morning and I wouldn't, I had a you know pregnant wife at the time. I wouldn't, it wouldn't have, I would not have had a quality of life would not have been worth the potential for some appreciation. Right. Um, then I moved to San Diego. There were several different reasons I didn't buy here. I'm renting right now. Uh, and I am Airbnb. I, I got a bigger place than I needed. I wanted to go smaller, but you know, family, whatever. So, but they are only here like half the time kind of bouncing back and forth as my wife prepares for her career when I transition and go, we go back to Missouri. And so I'm renting uh, two rooms out now on Airbnb. So I'm 
essentially living in a four bed, three bath house for once that second bedroom starts renting consistently, probably about a thousand dollars a month out of pocket mm-hmm. um, and saving the rest because right. I, I agree with you completely. I don't trust the appreciation swing here. And then especially in California, not a place that I want to have tenants from long distance because their laws are just not landlord friendly at all. Yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I agree. I'm in a, I, all of my real estate that I currently own is in Missouri in a market where the, you know, the 2008 was a blip on the radar and it just stays about the same. Uh, so I don't have a huge appreciation play, but I have a constant cash flow play and long-term I'm, that's what I want. I mean, it, it will appreciate, but yeah. yeah, I don't have to worry about it falling out from under me either. Yeah. And the, the other thing too, I always like to bring up, uh, it's just, and I think a, a lot of these listeners, a lot of your listeners, I'm, I'm sure are pretty savvy about real estate, but certainly if you're new to real estate and you're listening to this, there's this idea in the military uh, that there's these mythical people that move from assignment to assignment and they buy a house at every assignment, right? And then you've done like eight or nine assignments in your career. So you retire with eight properties, right? And so you're a multimillionaire. And I think that that is uh, a common misconception because actually I think that's a pretty bad idea. It's a bad idea to buy a house at every single assignment. I have a rule about buying houses and that is I'm not going to buy a house unless that house is going to cash flow well when I move away. Yep. And here's the problem with that plan. And it's even a problem here in Montgomery, Alabama where my 20 properties are. The house that I want to live in will never cash flow well. Why? Because if you have good schools, you have a gated community, you have like a community pool, um, if you have low crime, guess what? You're not going to cash flow well because people that, uh, you know, the, the rent to price ratio in nice neighborhoods, unfortunately, it's way off. It, it favors buyers. So a good example is me in Montgomery, Alabama. Even though I own 20 properties, I don't live in any of them because I'm not going to buy a house. It's not going to cash flow. Well, I don't want to move away and then start, you know, contributing one or 200 a month on top of the, the rent, right. That I'm collecting on it to, to make the mortgage payment. Yeah. And your base housing options or your, what your BAH would allow you to rent, especially on the officer side are much nicer than the 50,000, $100,000 home that you would probably buy in Montgomery. So right. get the best of both worlds. Like I've got a really nice place for my family and I can, you know, keep investing elsewhere or whatever. I don't have to, I agree. I, I think the buy a house at every duty station probably worked great for some people who bought a house at every duty, duty station from 2001 to 2006. That's right. Um, that's right. <laughs> and then it did not work great for people who bought a house at every duty station in 2007 and eight. Um, And that's, you can't play that game. I mean, especially, you know, the Marine Corps, all of our duty stations with the exception of Lejeune are fairly, I mean, there's a few, right? But our big duty stations for the most part are high, high appreciation, high flux markets. And so I hear people say that and I'm like, man, that's good on you. But if you tried to do that and you were like, Hey, Hawaii, California, Hawaii, California, like I hope you can hold them. Um, Yeah. That's not a game I want to be risking. Right. Yeah. So I agree. So I think expenses is definitely, uh, yeah, incredible. Is any other uh, like military specific investment strategies, not necessarily real estate that we haven't touched on? I know there's a, there's a couple other benefits to military real estate. I always like to bring up to people like the, uh, the fact that you don't have to pay capital gains tax on a house. If you move out of it within uh, 15 years, 
but that's a that's a very very good one yes um i took advantage of it so i bought a house in 2003 right for 280,000 uh sold it in 2016 for 400,000 if you follow the two out of the last five year rule uh obviously i i didn't make that right i i sold it 13 years later yeah but with the military exclusion that you can as long as you live in the property two of the last 15 years, then you're able to have a capital gains free tax sale up to a certain ceiling. And I think it's like 250 single 500 K married, but um, I took advantage of that. Yes. Um, Oh man, there was something else I wanted to bring up. Uh, Ooh, it's not coming to me right now. Um, Yeah. Oh, well, if we think about it, we'll throw it back in there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's some really cool stuff. All right, so let's see. Uh, if an E1, E2 walked up to you asking you for advice, right? Just someone just getting in the military, what would you tell them? Uh, I may have kind of said this earlier, but I'd tell them, you know, think about your finances first, right? Think about are you doing the important things money-wise that you should be doing? Um, are you putting enough in TSP to get the match? And do you have a goal and you should have a goal to max out that TSP? Are you, do you have a Roth IRA or, or, or an IRA? And are you doing that for yourself and your spouse? Are you paying off your debt? And then I would say, save up a down payment, 20% down, you know, as an investment property, make sure it goes well, and then plan on doing that again. It might seem real slow at first, like, oh, that's BS. Now I can't buy a property for a few years. But I think that as long as you end up being able to retire after, you know, 20 years or less uh, with several properties, then uh, I think you'll be fine. I think worrying about I'm upset because I'm not buying a property today is uh, the wrong focus. I would agree. Awesome. Um, what, well, I think we already touched that, but I'll do it anyway. What, what makes your method of investing unique? Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously I, I paid cash for all my houses and there was, it was funny cause there was this time period where I was planning on my blog. I was planning on focusing on how paying cash is actually better than using loans. And I was writing a blog post about it and I was doing the research and making the charts. And what I found out was that that's actually not true. <laughs> it's actually not true. You know, p- paying cash for houses, uh, mathematically is not superior to using loans. And so while in my unique case, I use cash, uh, the advantage to that is not, is not growth. It's not the fact that I will grow faster than somebody who has loans. But there are advantages to it. I have less risk, right? I sleep so much better at night. Um, you know, I mean, imagine a, a highly leveraged portfolio in a city that has a military base, right? Or something like that. Imagine if the military base closed, like what would happen to you financially? Uh, for me, if I was highly leveraged here in Montgomery, uh, I think I'd lose all 20 homes and probably lose everything that I have. Now, if it happened to me with 20 paid off homes, um, I would just be annoyed and be like, oh man, <laughs> like I'm going to make probably 20, 30% less rent now for a few years until things get figured out. I'm going to have higher vacancies. It'd be annoying instead of devastating. Yeah. So I think I like to recommend that people use uh, loans responsibly. 
I think is the way that I'd put it. And not necessarily that you, that you pay cash for all your houses. I like that quote. It'd be annoying instead of devastating. <laughs> That's true. I mean, that is, you know, at one point I had <clears throat> I, my first three, four purchases. I didn't pay more than 6% down, um, which, you know, has worked out okay. But there's definitely, if, if something imploded, I, I would be, I would have been hurting. I mean, I've got a lot more equity in them now, but uh, at that first get go before I refinanced, could have been, could have been ugly. So, right. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. Uh, all right. So what is one resource, book, course, website, whatever that you would recommend to anybody getting started in real estate or, or finances in general? Oh boy. Uh, resources, man, my favorite books right over here. Um, it's called fooled by randomness, right? Ooh, that's a good one. I wouldn't, I thought you were going to say simple path to wealth. No, uh, that's a great book and you, military members should definitely read it. It's, it's a must read. But fooled by randomness, that probably shaped my view of the markets and investing and sort of, and I guess I would say the uselessness of trying to play the short game on stocks. You got to read that book to understand money and you got to have money to invest in real estate. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you though, that book has like crushed internally a lot of my views about the Marine Corps. <laughs> um, and I say that, so, so very short example, uh, -huh. uh weeks ago we had a uh, issue where, you know, we, we said, I can't talk too much about my job, but we send buses all over the place for things. And we yeah. send a lot of buses to this air force base and you know, buses are always hitting traffic and stuff's always going wrong, whatever. We had this bus and it was like a one or two in the morning mission or it was like a four in the morning mission. The bus got loaded faster than normal. The bus had arrived early. The Marines were ready. They loaded fast. And they left early and they hit no traffic and the bus driver was speeding and somehow the bus got there like two hours early, which to me, like bus early, like awesome. Thanks. Woohoo. You know, and I guess the flight line wasn't open. So this guy decided that his solution was to hop the fence into the terminal and find a way to open the terminal door and let all the Marines in. Not, mm. not a good idea. No. But we got this talk at work about revamping our entire system to ensure that buses didn't leave early. And I'm, I had just read that book and I'm like, this is an anomaly. Like, this is not the norm. Let's not change our entire systems, you know, but that's just, that's the, the military likes to change things. And I'm like, no. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like most people don't think jumping. God, God forbid we're early. Yeah. Is a good idea. Yeah. So uh, anyway, and we didn't end up not changing all that, but I just thought it was funny because I'm in this meeting and I'm like, I'm going to go get my copy of this book and just slam it on the table. <laughs> but uh Oh man. All right. So, Hey, before we wrap this up, uh, where can people get a hold of you? Okay. So I'm at richonmoney.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, email me if you have questions, rich at richonmoney.com. And, uh, you know, you'll see my unique kind of a uniquer approach to, I'd say unique and conservative, conservative approach to real estate. Uh, in the form of many blog posts and, uh, and, and I have a YouTube channel that is uh, just starting to get going. But when you're on my blog, uh, you'll see those uh, videos and it's easy to click over to my YouTube channel as well. Right on. Yeah, I will make sure that I link to all of that in the show notes for you uh, as well as your YouTube channel. And uh, Rich, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks, Dave. That was awesome. Uh, great interview. Appreciate the opportunity. Anytime, brother. Anytime. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.